Uh, I remember I looked at the boys and I saw them were pretty down and I said a little prayer and as I finished the prayers, uh, a, a calmness came over me. Like it's, it's a feeling I've probably never had before or after. It was, uh, it was such a unreal feeling and I just, I just felt we had it. And wow. I remember Peter Boren opening the batting with me and I, I looked at him and I said, mate, don't worry, we've, we've got this. And he looked at me like quite weird because I don't think he expected, <laughs> I don't think anyone expected what was, what was about to happen. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. Cricket is a game which has captured the heart of billions of people across the globe. And I'm joined today by a player who has been a stalwart of his national side for more than a decade. He recently signed off his professional career playing a leading role in the Netherlands' shock victory over South Africa at the T20 World Cup. Stefan Myberg, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to join you tonight. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And um, as we're recording, you've just returned to the Netherlands from Australia, so still a little bit jet-lagged? Um, yes, indeed. So I've just been back a couple of days. And, um, yeah, it's been, I've been waking up very early in the mornings uh, and then struggle late in the afternoon. Uh, so still a little bit jet-lagged, and it's been tough because my little princess uh she really wants daddy to help her with everything now i need to take it to the bath I need to take it to the bed she just wants her daddy uh which i absolutely love um but which uh, also hasn't helped with the jet lag as i haven't been sleeping much the last couple of days yeah certainly a full-time role being a parent and a father particularly when you've uh, had a little bit of time away they're trying to make up for that lost time Yes, no, indeed, indeed. Yeah, well, we, we like to start the show by just rattling through a few quickfire questions just to get to know you a little bit better. So I'll kick things off with some of those if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's perfect, thank you. Okay, perfect. Are you an Apple or an Android man? Um, Apple. Apple. Uh, what's something you eat or drink too much of? Probably eat too much meat i eat meat every single day i think yeah i'm a big fan of meat i don't think you can eat too much personally <laughs> yeah no the same we actually have a um like they call an afrikaans a bride or a barbecue yeah and we have it probably three or four times a week uh even when it snows in the netherlands so um, awesome. i love my meat yeah that sounds good to me uh what's the most used app on your phone most used app on my phone. Wow, living in Holland must be the weather app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weather weather app. Or I, I do spend quite a bit of time on Instagram, even though I'm not very good at uh, sharing um, posts and whatever. But uh, just scrolling through what whatever there is. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Uh, what's something you can't leave the house without? Uh, the house without yeah, probably my phone. I would uh, I would struggle to leave the house without my phone. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a common one. Uh, who was your cricketing hero growing up? So, uh, my cricketing hero is actually my brother. Um, he was four years older than me, and he uh, played 20 years of first-class cricket. Oh, wow. And I always really looked up to him. Um, he was my role model, and uh, he probably taught me most of the things I know. I think he's also been my best coach as well. Oh, awesome. That's that's really cool. Do you have a piece of sports memorabilia or an item, maybe cricket kit or something, which you could never part with? Um, no, I won't. I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I've, I, obviously, I love sport. Um, yeah, cricket was my everything, but I, was, um, I also feel it's, it's, it's not who I am. Uh, cricket doesn't define me, so I won't say there's something that I can't part with. Yeah, very good. Um, you, you mentioned there you love sport. Uh, what role did sport play in your uh, childhood? Was it always cricket? Oh, yeah, massive. Um, growing up, we very sporty family. My dad was uh, played provincial rugby. My mom played provincial softball. Uh, two sisters, one played provincial netball, one played provincial hockey. And then my brother also, like, he played first-class cricket when he was only 16 years old. Um, oh, wow. So, and, yeah, basically we did all the sports. When I grew up, I played rugby, I did athletics, uh, um, played tennis, cricket. Um, but I think my love for cricket was always a little bit more than the rest of the sports, but definitely did all the sports there was to do. Yeah, fantastic. And um, was was... Uh, rugby in the dark ever something you thought about pursuing professionally? <laughs> uh, yeah, also we, we, when we grew up, when we were younger, we used to play uh, rugby in the house, but we would close all the doors in the alley and it was pitch, pitch, pitch dark. You couldn't see a hand <laughs> in front of you. So uh, we actually called it Donkarati, which is rugby in the dark. And uh, we absolutely loved it. Any serious injuries? It sounds like it could have got quite dangerous. <laughs> no, I'm actually surprised we'd never got serious injuries, but we did run into the wall a couple of times and into each other, uh, but luckily no serious injuries. Yeah, you might have got away with one there, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so you you said that it was kind of always cricket, which was your, your first love, and did you uh, demonstrate sort of above average ability in cricket from early on? Yeah, so I feel like I've been blessed with a, a God-given talent and um, always did really well at my youth levels. Uh, I actually played with Fafdupasi and A.B. de Villiers from nine years old. Um, and we just went to different schools and I was always uh, the top batsman, my school top player. Um, but I think when I was younger, I was a bit lazy. Uh, I took it for granted, my talent. And then, like, after school, they both moved on to play for South Africa. Um, and unfortunately, talent can only take you that far uh, if you don't work hard. So I had to learn on the in the hard way. Um, but God had a different plan for me. So I think I, I, I had to learn about that when I moved over to the Netherlands to try and play international from here. Yeah, so uh, you moved over to the Netherlands. Obviously, we can detect a South African accent. So you were born in South Africa. You made your first class debut for one of the provincial sides there. How did that then see you move to the Netherlands? 
Yeah, so um, because all those South African players that always go overseas uh, in the off-season, basically, uh, most would go to England, Ireland or Scotland. But there were a couple of players that came to um, the Netherlands. Gary Kirsten was one. Um, Neil McKenzie played for a club uh, here in The Hague. And I played club cricket with him uh, in South Africa. So 2006, when I made my debut for Northerns, he couldn't come back to Holland because he had um, a few matches with the Proteas. And then he got the club to get involved with me. Um, so I came over to Holland for the first time just as an overseas player. And it was never my intention to play for Holland. And then after, after the season went back, played for Northerns again. And then just an off-season, I wanted to come back to Holland because I really enjoyed it. And then after the third or fourth year in Holland, the coach actually called me and he said, do you, do you know the ICC has a rule that if you live in a country four years in a row, more than 180 days, and you play for them, you can actually represent them. And I didn't know that. So it was a, it was a big thing for me. And then, uh, you know, my, my dream was always to play international career. Yeah. So when I heard I can have that opportunity to play, I, I tried to grab it with both hands. How long had you been in the Netherlands when you were kind of made aware of that situation and it sort of to become, started to become a reality for you? So it was my third year in Holland because um, they said it, it, after four years you could. Um, so the third year I was like, oh, this is great. I can qualify the next year. But then uh, after, I won't say a shock, but then after the four years when I wanted to qualify, I realised that my first years I just, just missed out by like 10 days or something. So I had to do another two years. So basically after my sixth year in Holland, I then uh, qualified to, to play for, for them. Wow, that's a that's a long time, six years. Um, how, how did you manage, you know, obviously a big change from South Africa to Netherlands? You've described, I think we're coming into winter there now. It's, I imagine it wouldn't be the most pleasant place to live uh, year round, the weather quite variable and that sort of thing. How did you cope with that? Yeah, indeed, being South Africa, I mean, we're not used to winters, actually. I always thought uh, I, I knew what a winter was until I moved over to Holland. So 2010 was my first winter in Holland. I spent it because 2011 I could qualify. And I remember I had a mate, also a bit Christian, and every Wednesday we used to go play squash at night. And uh, the one night we went to go play and I just had a tough day at work. Um, and um, I told him, I was like, I, I think I'm done. I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's too tough. I don't know if I'm going to qualify to play for Holland because this winter is, because, uh, yeah, I actually, that night also, I, I slipped twice from the bicycle because the roads was just icy. Yeah. And uh, I'm a very big family man. Uh, so I just missed the family. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm done. And we played. And then we played actually an extra hour of squash that night. And when we came out, it probably snowed about a foot, almost wow. two feet. And that was the first time I really experienced snow. And it was so beautiful that I all of a sudden went from almost a little bit depressed, missing the family to, wow, how amazing is this? Absolutely love it. And it actually just got me going and to, to push through. And then as soon as I made my debut for Holland, it was actually in the county competition against Worcester. 
my brother and my sister was there to support me as well. Uh, and I got a 50 on debut and it just felt like, oh, wow, it was definitely worth, you know, sitting yeah. in the winters, freezing, everything. It just felt like uh, finally um, um, it was worth it, basically. Yeah, awesome. You, you mentioned there... Um... You had a you had a Christian mate who was there with you. What sort of support did you have when you moved to the Netherlands? You you imagine I imagine you obviously went to play cricket, so you would have had some mates from the cricket club or cricket buddies that you were kind of hanging around. But did you did you know other people? You had no family there or anything at all? Um, no, sir. So actually, my my family was from church almost. I wanted to say um, I the first day I got to Holland 2006 was on a Friday that Sunday I went to a church called Crossroads International and I immediately yeah fit in with uh, with a small group and with the Alpha course I followed Alpha course um, I also studied theology um, through SATS which is South African Theology Seminar um, and I did the youth ministry at the church um, so that played a massive role um, for me, um, away from cricket, I always had my sort of church family. They were always there, always supportive. Yeah. And this mate that played um, squash with me, he was actually one of them uh, in the church. I met him in church and we were together in the Alpha group. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of support from the, from the church. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you, you went over to the Netherlands. You were playing club cricket. What was the cricket scene like in the Netherlands? I mean, I'm a huge cricket fan. I know that Netherlands isn't one of the, what we would call the major cricket countries, cricket nations. How many clubs? Is it a big competition? How popular is the game over there? No, so it, it's not. It's actually not very, very popular. Um, I think the most famous cricketers in Holland can tell you they can walk in the street and no one will recognize them so it's and if you if you tell people you play cricket they, they always go cricket what's what's that so it's it's definitely not big in holland um it's actually quite a very small sport uh, i think when i first started coming here it was almost probably bigger in in numbers participating oh um but the hockey and football seasons have become so long that a lot of the kids these days at school, um, they basically have an option. They can't do both almost. Um, where in the past, it was easy for them to have a, a winter sport and a summer sport. And uh, now hockey and uh, football so long that they struggle to, to fit in cricket, which is a real shame. Yeah. But I think seniors or after school, there's, there's a lot more people playing cricket. But the school's level, we've... Uh, we're lacking a bit at the moment, uh, which is a real shame. And from a professional side of things, um, when I just started playing for Holland, it was very, very amateur. We trained once a week, maybe wow. twice a week. Um, everyone worked. No one got paid for cricket. Um, and then slowly moved towards more professional and professional. But even currently, I think we're blessed to have six guys playing county cricket because we only have four contracted players wow. in the Netherlands. Yeah, so the rest of us, I've also I've been working for four years almost now, uh, full time. So cricket is really a, a part time 
think for most of us. Uh, so it would be great for Holland to get a little bit more exposure um, because, yeah, we get to play the World Cups and that's, that's about as much exposure as we get uh, to get sponsorships and everything to get an income to have more players be more professional. I think that's the... That's a bit of an issue in, in Holland because uh, most people, yeah, we just have to work to, to get an income and then uh, you do it on the, on the side, basically. Wow, that's incredible. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did, did the Netherlands actually have a team? You mentioned your debut for Netherlands was against Worcestershire. Did Netherlands used to have a team which participated in the English domestic competition? Yes, so to the... I'm not 100% sure, um, but I think we played 2011, 12, and 13. We played in the England competition. So it was called the CB40s back then. Yep. Um, so, and that was that was actually very good for Netherlands credit because it's the first time, because uh, we don't have a first loss system. Um, players literally play from club cricket and then they go into World Cup. We actually had a couple of guys this year um, sing. A phenomenal player, opening batsman, and Sherry Ahmed. I mean, the two 18, 19 year olds, and they come from playing club cricket on, on a mat. Um, then to go to the World Cup because we just don't have a system in between. So the step up is massive for those uh, guys. And also with Brexit, uh, our players can't play county cricket anymore, where they wow. used to be able to play more county cricket. Now you had to be in before breakfast. Uh, Brexit to stay in basically, and um, but to join now, it's it's almost impossible. You have to be an overseas professional, which makes it difficult because you compete with some of the Test nation players. Yeah, wow, that that's incredible. I mean, I don't we're we're not trying to get political or anything, but it's I'm really surprised that the ECB and even the ICC have almost taken a backward step with the way that they've they've tried an associate nation like the Netherlands, you would think that they would be trying to do everything they can to endorse the regular games against the county sides and uh, grow the professionalism, but it sounds like that's not what's happened at all. Yeah, in, indeed. I think um, that's also what we as a Dutch team are longing for is uh, just, just more games. And we were actually blessed to take part in the Super League and we've actually heard now before the Super League's even finished that they're going to scratch that as well. So we're in, a, we're in a situation where we don't know the future of that cricket. The only good thing, and that's why we were so extremely happy with our win against South Africa, is that we've already qualified for the next World Cup. Yeah. Um, so and that's the first time, I think, in history that Holland doesn't have to go to a World Cup qualifier. So it takes a little bit of pressure off um, in that sense because you know at least you are going to play in the World Cup in 2024. Um, so I think it's also good for Netherlands cricket because they know the next two years, you know, they've got everything to to practice for. Um, and maybe it does give us an opportunity to play more international games, uh, more games in the county system just yeah. because we are going to the World Cup. So ICC might use us more. Uh, so hopefully that, that is the case. Yeah, brilliant. You did mention before about the two young guys who went from club cricket to uh, the World Cup. They, they're playing on mats, so there aren't even um, proper turf pitches that are played on frequently in the Netherlands? 
Um, so we've got in the top league, we got 10 teams. And of the 10 teams, there's only um, four clubs that's got grass wickets. Wow. So if, if you play on, on a ground, we so I, for instance, I played a club with a, with a mat. So I would literally only have four games on grass the whole, the whole year. Um, so you play home and away. Um, but I literally only the four games I play away against those teams it would be on grass. For the rest of the time, I'll be playing on mat. So for those youngsters, they basically um, they play almost every second game is on mat, which is completely different. Yeah, very difficult for the development going from those surfaces, which, like you say, aren't similar at all. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, very, um, very interesting to hear about the, the setup over there. And I was going to ask you how the game has kind of progressed or moved forward, but it doesn't sound like that is the case, unfortunately, during your time in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, but from I must say from a professional point of view, the guys, even though they don't have professional contracts, they, the way they train uh, is way, 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 way more professional than it, than it is ever has been so in that sense i think uh, we've had some brilliant coaches which has which have um, brought in the professionalism basically so where we don't have maybe all grass workers or all contracts um i do think there's a massive improvement in dutch cricket uh, just because of a mind shift from the players um, and also you know they go to a world cup and they they see what they can get yeah. Um, it also gives them a little bit of hunger of doing the extra yards because they also realise that um, they're probably a little bit off from where they should be uh, at that level, but they also realise that it's it's not that far away. Um, yeah. So, so at the same times when you know that's not quite there, but you know, wow, I can do it. I think that also. Distance. Yeah. So I think in that sense, Holland's. A lot better off in the in the way we we train and the way we um, do analyst work everything else we we've been extremely professional so it's just down yeah, the grass wickets and that also comes with um, football again so a lot of the clubs they they play football and cricket at the same ground okay so they use the grounds for for football and the winter so you can't really have the grass wickets so that's also one of the main reasons why why there's not as many ground workers because of football. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, you you mentioned earlier when you were in South Africa, you said you maybe didn't work as hard as you maybe should have or could have uh, early on in your career. What what was kind of the catalyst or the trigger for you trying to kind of say, hey, I I really need to work hard. I really need to knuckle down and make the most of my talent here? Yeah, so I, th I think it started when I came to Holland and um, because I saw AB and Fife Black from South Africa and it was always a dream of mine and very I'm very, very close mates with them. Uh, I still am. Um, both sent me very nice messages on my retirement. Um, when you see them succeed and you know that you were right there with them, you always played with them, um you obviously start thinking back um first responders always negative and you think oh i didn't get the chances or whatever but when you when you go deep dive uh, that that's what i did i went deep diving and i was like oh. at first people like oh you didn't get the chances and then i 
I had to say, no, it's, it's not true. Um, I think if I worked harder, then you get chances. Whether I would have scored more runs or not, that's, that's not uh, for me to say. But uh, the thing is, I, I believe that also God works that way, that you need to work hard for whatever you want. And yeah. uh, when I was younger, it, it came quite naturally. So I didn't feel the need to practice. And when I saw them playing for South Africa and I wanted to play for South Africa, I almost felt like, oh, it's a bit, bit late now. And then when I got to Holland and the opportunity to play international cricket, I realized that I'm getting a second chance. And yeah. um, then I literally spent probably three, four hours a day in the nets. Uh, I went to the gym twice a day to make sure I'm as fit as I can be. I worked harder than literally ever worked in my life before yeah um, just because i felt like i had that second chance and um yeah the, just a deep dive made me realize that uh i didn't get in because i didn't work hard enough it wasn't uh because of a lack of talent i think uh, i'm very lucky that god blessed me with an amazing talent yeah fantastic and you certainly made the most of it um we'll come to kind of we'll work our way through your career but um debuted against Kenya in an international match in 2011, September, I believe it was. But 2014 was a huge year, both for yourself and for Dutch cricket, wasn't it? Yes, no, indeed. So um, 2014 was also a very uh, tough, tough year for Holland. We we lost our, or lost our international status, I think, maybe just the year before when we didn't qualify in New Zealand. And we were literally at the lowest point of our career then to go into the World Cup and um, playing probably the best cricket Holland's ever played. Uh, this World Cup is probably similar in that sense. But the one there, we, we got through the first group stages, uh, played very well. And then we were smashed by Sri Lanka. Um, and then literally we lost to South Africa by five runs. We lost to New Zealand in the last over, and then we beat England. So no one expected us to get anywhere close to all those teams, and um, yet we did. And I think, like this year, when we had a very successful World Cup, I think um, there's probably a little bit more belief from people that we could do it, just based because of 2014. Yeah. And I think before 2014, there wasn't much hope for four Netherlands in a Cricket World Cup. So it was an absolute massive year that year for, for Holland. Um, uh, so, and personally, it was uh, probably one of my highlights of my career. Yeah, I think that you kind of rushed through that, but it certainly was a big year for yourself personally. And that tournament was phenomenal, wasn't it? I've got some, um, I've, I've done a little bit of research into your own personal tournament there. You finished as the third highest run scorer in the tournament at World T20. You were named in the ICC official team of the tournament. You know, we're talking against the, the superpowers from Australia, India, South Africa, all the best teams in the world were there. And you made the, the team of the tournament, the first 11. So certainly something that we should be discussing, I think. And your particular, um, the innings, which was maybe the, the piece de resistance for yourself, was the match against Ireland where Netherlands needed to score 190 in 14.2 overs, I think it was. 
and you went a little bit ballistic at the top of the order, scoring the second fastest 50 in history at the time, scoring 50 off 17 balls. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, it almost feels like yesterday, uh, that <laughs> game. Uh, well, I had a, had a chat about it last year, and I, I was asked what was going through my mind, and it was weird because before the game against Ireland, there was our main goal was just to go through to the next round. Um, so we knew we had to, to try and chase and try and chase whatever they set us in as many overs as possible. And we thought chasing is the easier way to do that rather than setting a score and then trying to defend. Yep. So when they started off, I think we started quite well with the ball. Um, so there was still a little bit of belief. And right at the end, we absolutely got pumped everywhere. The ball were just flying and I could look at the players and a little bit of disbelief, basically. And when we walked off the field, uh, I remember I looked at the boys and I saw them were pretty down. And I said a little prayer. And as I finished the prayers, uh, a, a calmness came over me. Like, it's, it's a feeling I've probably never had before or after. It was, uh, it was such an unreal feeling. And I just, I just felt we had it. And wow. I remember Peter Boren opening the batting with me. And I, I looked at him and I said, mate, don't worry, we've, we've got this. And he looked at me like quite weird because I don't think he expected, <laughs> I don't think anyone expected what was what was about to happen. Um, but definitely, yeah, there was there was just an amazing feeling, and you could go out there and just also you had nothing to lose. So, um, True. And everything just just went away. After all. Yeah, you you mentioned that it it felt like yesterday. It probably feels so fresh in the memory, and you can recall ball by ball because you didn't face many. You only faced twenty three, but got sixty three runs off them. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was really amazing. I think uh, the the second over. Uh, off spinner was bowling and I hit three sixes in a row and it just immediately felt like wow I'm, I'm hitting the ball nicely here uh, yeah. we can keep going and we also said we're not going to stop we're going to keep going and uh, I think at the time Peter Boren myself also got the record for the highest uh, power play ever and it was only broken I think five or six years later so yeah. we got 91 in the power play well um uh, and he basically got us off starting. He faced the first ball, hit the first ball, and um, yeah, it just gave us a little bit of momentum. Yeah, fantastic. You, you mentioned before that you, you just had a calmness and a feeling about it. That, that, I imagine, is where you felt like your best cricket you've ever played was in that game? Um, a lot of people have asked me that, but I... I I actually think the best cricket I've played was just a couple of games later against South Africa. Um, I mean, yeah, no disrespect to Ireland at all. I think they are a good team. But playing against uh, South Africa where they had Dale Stein, Morkel, uh, Torbe, they had uh, world's best bowlers. Basically, yeah. I got uh, also 50 of 20, 21 balls, I think it was. Um, personally, I felt that innings was even better just, just because of the... Uh, the bowlers you faced, um, yeah. so and like I said, no, no disrespect to Ireland, I think they're, no. they're a great team. Um, but at that stage, you couldn't really compare those bowlers really with each other. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I mean, 
what the game meant against Ireland is amazing. But I think from uh, a betting perspective, my best innings is probably the one against South Africa. Yeah, you me- you mentioned you know some of the bowlers there. You're literally talking about players that were rated the number one bowler in the world. Dale Stain, I think Imran Tahir may have played in that game as well. He also so, he actually won the game for them. He got five wickets in that game. Oh, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I did watch some highlights earlier though. I'm sure that I saw what you smacking him for six over mid wicket on at least uh, one of the highlights from yeah. that match. Uh, no, I don't think I got, I got for 50 of, of Imran. Uh, I remember that quite clearly. I, I hit it to the sweeper, but I don't think I hit him for a boundary. Uh, must have um, been another match. Yeah, it could have been another game. So, um, but yeah, they had an amazing bowling team. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm so proud of that innings. Uh, the only thing is I've always felt that same innings I probably lost following the game um, because I was in seeing it like a beach ball and um, basically almost not throwing my wicket away because you would never try and throw your wicket away as a batter. Um, but we, when I was still in there, the game was, I think, if they had the predictions that they have these days, it probably would have been 95% chance for Holland to win when I went out. So I feel like if I just batted another three or four overs, we could have won that game. So yeah. it's always also a game that I felt like, oh, I might have just cost it for Holland because uh, I batted so well and then uh, got out, unfortunately. Yeah, you, it's the way you play, though. You play aggressively. You live by the sword, you die by the sword, I guess. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, uh, and um, South Africa, obviously, your country of birth, where you began your professional career. You you mentioned that you felt you played your best innings, possibly against them at the 2014 World Cup. Uh, was it fitting that your last professional match was against them just recently at the T20 World Cup in Australia? Um, yes, indeed. So. Uh, I tore my ankle ligaments a couple of years ago and I was out for six months uh, and I actually thought my cricketing career was done. That's when I started working full-time. And then I still worked extremely hard because I I wanted to get back into the team, but also then I lost my Dutch contract. So I had to work and I didn't know how how I'll get back um, and then finally got back and then last year had a very good season in Holland and then got the opportunity to go to the World Cup and looked at the Super League phase and we were playing South Africa in December and I sat, sat down with my wife uh, and I said listen I'm going to retire at the end of the year uh, I've got one more World Cup to go and then South Africa, in South Africa, at Supersport Park, basically where I started my career. My whole family is still there in Pretoria. So I told her that that will be a fitting moment to finish my career. And then we had an absolute nightmare of a World Cup last year. Unfortunately, then we travelled to South Africa. Our first game got rained off and then COVID hit and the whole trip got cancelled. And... I told my wife it, it feels so so weird to retire this way yeah. uh, and I spoke to the CEO of the company that I work with he's um, he's been also very very good for me um, and he said Steph if you want to play cricket you keep going until until you feel like you, you're done so if you want to do it one more year 
have a go, have a full go. Spoke to my wife and she was very supportive. She also said, yeah, let's do it. But never, never did I think I would play against South Africa at the World Cup in my last game. I always thought that South Africa one was meant to be. Um, but then I guess God uh, had other plans again. And uh, and the way I finished, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Yeah, you made a good contribution in your final match as well, 30-odd or 39, I think, of 31 balls. So certainly contributed to that victory, but I'm sure it was a little bit bittersweet as well with the Dutch win, obviously seeing Netherlands advance and make the next World Cup, but knocking South Africa out of this one. Yeah, indeed. So um, when we sang the national anthems, uh, I actually had to tear up when they, when they sang the South African anthem. Um, I think partly because it was my last game and I, I knew yeah. it uh, and I've uh, been extremely blessed to play for so long. Um, so that obviously played part of it, but um, I always say my heart is, uh, my blood is still a bit green. Uh, I'm still a little bit biased. I still love, love the South African team and uh, Rolf and Fonameva and I, when we walked off the field after beating South Africa, we both looked at each other and we said, it would have been nicer if South Africa already qualified and we beat them yeah. um, instead of us kicking them out um, of the tournament. So, yeah, a bittersweet moment. Uh, obviously, as a sportsman, you always want to win and it was amazing to finish my career in that way. But uh, the other side, I think, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say it, but uh, I would have liked South Africa to go through. Yeah, of course. Um, I just want to go back to something you mentioned there. Um, you mentioned that your CEO, you had a discussion with your CEO about wanting to continue playing for another year. And um, in Australia, obviously, I'm in Australia, is where we're based. Cricket is such a, you know, it's one of our national pastimes. It's one of the top sports in the country. But what you've described there is something completely different where I know you've been away most of this year you've been away playing cricket. Um, you're working full time. Uh, the level of professionalism's not there. There's only four contracted players in the whole of Netherlands. Um, so being a professional athlete and competing at the World Cup at the highest level, it, it comes with real sacrifice, not just for yourself, but a lot of people make sacrifices for, for yourself and indeed the Dutch team as a whole to play, don't they? Yeah, no, 100%. The, the sacrifices that goes on in, in the Netherlands are uh, extreme, basically. Um, luckily, my CEO for Stratex, the company I work with, he's a cricket fanatic. Um, <laughs> he actually comes from Pakistan, so he was also extremely glad that we beat uh, South Africa. So oh, I think yes. that also helped, of course. <laughs> um, no, he's, he's also the owner of the cricket club that I play with. Uh, oh, um, so he he's an absolute cricket lover um, but working for him I, I, I basically do consultancy work at um, other major companies I'm actually at ABN Amra Bank which is one of the bigger banks in Holland yep um, so it wasn't as easy um, most of the guys actually left halfway through September um, to go do preparation, which I couldn't do. So I, I was stuck in, in Holland for a couple more, more weeks. So I actually got to the World Cup a little bit later than I wanted because because of work. Um, yep. And um, 
I missed out then on the first few games, which I could also understand. I didn't play the first few games just because I, I didn't have the preparation or anything. Um, so there, there's 100%, there's a lot of uh, sacrifices that needed to be made and uh, also feel feel blessed that I've worked at companies which uh, allowed me to still play cricket. Um, so I had to take unpaid leave now, um, yeah. as you mentioned, because I've also been to New Zealand this year for a while and went to uh, Zimbabwe for the World Cup qualifier. So all my leave days were unfortunately used up. Uh, wow. So I had to take some unpaid leave for the World Cup. But uh, yeah, very, very happy to have done it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're living a lot of people's dream. I was never good enough to make even a club team. So <laughs> think about the billions of people who play cricket who would dream of playing at a World Cup and you've reached the pinnacle. So, so fair play to you for achieving your dream and obviously the hard work, the sacrifice and everything that you've had to put in to get there. No, thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. That's actually... Um, also, the main thing that my brother told me because uh, I didn't get a chance, didn't get a chance, didn't get a chance. And the one night I spoke to him, and I was like, I don't know why I came to the World Cup and sacrificed everything. And he and his words were exactly that. He's like, just think about you at your fourth World Cup, whether you play or not. There's not yeah. a lot of people that can say that you're so blessed. Make sure you enjoy the the guys because once you retire, you're not going to have that. Um, so he he made me realize basically how, how lucky I am, whether I'm playing or not. Um, yeah. It is an extreme, extremely big blessing to be a part of the World Cup, and um, yeah. So also, uh, yeah, I'm very very happy that I finally got the chance. Um, but it also it calmed me down as well when I played, just to realize you know it's, it's a blessing to be there, whether you do well or not. Um, yeah, it's just an incredible um, feeling to be out there. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned there again uh, how, how blessed you were to, to be able to do that. Um, your faith's obviously an important part of your life. What, what sort of role do you think that's played in your career? Were there any sort of challenges where you thought, well, if I didn't have my faith, I don't know how I would have got to this point where you are now? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. God for me comes first. That's a, that's a, that's a no, no brainer almost for me. Um, I write Bible verses on the back of my bat. So whenever I bat, uh, before I face a ball, I'll just uh, read a little verse, you know, that always keeps me going. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you go on tours, uh, not everyone in your team is a believer or a Christian, uh, especially in the, in the Netherlands team. Um, so that that might, does make it very challenging, especially if you go away for a long period of time and things aren't going away. You know, you almost struggle a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I can 100% say that uh, my faith has definitely helped me through a lot of a lot of tours <laughs> and uh, a lot of things throughout my career. Yeah, that's great. So you've you've hung up the boots now. Uh, international career spanning 12 years, 67 international appearances, 1,442 runs in white ball internationals, nine half centuries, and the third leading run scorer in T20 matches for the Netherlands. Do you you must be proud, and when you reflect on what you've achieved? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think uh, you always think that you could have done better. Um, that's the first thing that always comes to mind. 
Um, but for me, it was always a case of I didn't want cricket to define me as a person. So for me, as long as the, the people remember me of how I played the game more than um, what I did uh, as a player, um, I would be happy if guys uh, always speak about me as a, as a nice guy on and off the field, um, whether it's opponents or players that I've played with. Uh, for me, that's the major thing. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not really my stats one day. It's, uh, it's more about how I played the game and, and the person I am. That, uh, that I, I value that way more than the stats, basically. Yeah, that's great. And you must have listened to the Press Toward the Goal podcast previously because I always finish with the question, how do you want to be remembered? And you've answered it before oh. I even <laughs> asked the question. Uh, no, actually, I actually haven't uh, listened to it yet, but um, I just followed your page on Instagram. So um, I'm definitely going to follow it a lot more and very thankful that I, I had this opportunity to chat to you today. Yeah, it's been been great to chat with you, Stefan. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, congratulations on a great career. Congratulations on uh, being such a witness for, for Jesus. I see on your Instagram page, I, I did see that you do post about there. You, you do wear your heart on your sleeve. And it's great to see that, like you said, your achievements on the sporting field don't define you. And that's not where your identity is. Yeah, no, thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal, all one word. You can also find us on YouTube where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.